0: Welcome to Sparks of History. We are extremely pleased to have with us today Rabbi Elazar Muskin. Rabbi Muskin currently serves as the Rabbi of the Young Israel of Century City, one of the fastest-growing Orthodox synagogues on the West Coast. Previously, Rabbi Muskin served as the Rabbi of Mount Sinai Jewish Center in New York and as Executive Director of Tahia Volunteers, an organization dedicated to serving development towns in Israel. Rabbi Muskin received his rabbinic ordination from Yeshiva University's Rabbi Isaac Elchanan Theological Seminary Reits and also earned a master's degree in medieval Jewish philosophy from the Bernard Revel Graduate School and a master's degree in education from Columbia University. Thank you, Rabbi Muskin, for being with us today. We appreciate it very much.
1: My honor. Thank you.
0: To get started what were your impressions from your recent trip mission to Israel and what messages did you bring back to your community in Los Angeles
1: The truth is we've been running missions ever since October it was the fourth mission in February since October we've gone I've gone for four times three of them with my shul and the first one was with rabbis I co-led with Rabbi Matanki of Chicago And each time we've been so moved by the experience, it's been transformative. It's um, an experience where you encounter the Israeli resilience. They are determined to continue fighting until they win and they're gonna win. And as long as we're united, they know that. But the most impressive experience is when you come to Israel and Israelis find out what, you're from Los Angeles? Are you guys crazy? Don't you know that this is a war going on? But we're Am mufuzar mufurad bin we know that. We're one Am echad. and we're there. And w- we come to hug you. That's what we tell them. And inevitably, the response is just so beautiful. It's it's warm, it's you know encompassing, it's all-encompassing. Wow, you're here to hug us. Yes, we're here because we identify with what's happening in Israel. And every mission that I've led, that has been the experience and it only increases every time I go back. So I tell my bala batim, I tell my members, I tell my community, they gotta come because... They got to experience that. They got to see it. They got to see it with their own eyes. They got to make the Israelis know that we really, really join them and identify with their battle. So that's the message. That's the most important message.
0: And and how has the Los Angeles Jewish community at large, in addition, of course, to, to your synagogue, responded to the events of October 7th. And in this age of social media, how has the Hollywood community reacted to the events?
1: Honestly, I am not familiar with how the Hollywood community has reacted. I don't have a personal contact with actors and actresses, Um, not many at least, Uh, But those that I do have have been very connected and very supportive. The truth is very, very supportive. How has the Jewish community of America responded is amazing. Billions of dollars have been been sent just since October 7th. People have opened their pocketbooks with generosity that hasn't been seen by any other community in the history of our people. It's just and it continues because there are constant needs and constant stalkers that are pitching us outside of the regular requirements and, you know, obligations that we all have. Israel is at the top of the list. It's just at the top of the list. So on the one hand, it's been a very generous um, response financially. Also, it's been. And you've heard this and you've read it and you, I see it, that Jews that weren't per se identified with the state of Israel suddenly realize that's me. That's my experience. So it's unified to a great degree. Of course, there are the fringes on the left that, you know, don't identify, but they're fringes. They're small fringes, I think, overwhelmingly the response has been one of commitment, of strength, of unity. And it, it's, been, it, it's been one that has overwhelmed many of us because we didn't expect that kind of positive response. And we're seeing it, we're seeing it. Now, listen, my community, it's a religious Zionist community. So it's been there all the time. It's just people are doing as much as they can and constantly, there's never, Rabbi, you're doing too much. You're rabbi, you're... I've been going every month to Israel leading another mission. Four times, nobody has come over to me and say, Rabbi, you know, this is too much. You shouldn't be doing this. Just the opposite. My community is very proud that their rabbi and their shul is at the helm of the missions of solidarity, identifying with the state of Israel. And I've only been encouraged. The proof is that people are coming with me and they're paying serious dollars outside of the ticket. El Al is the only airline now flying to Israel and they have not dropped the price. They have only raised the price and it's expensive. And then there's the going on a mission that they also, and nobody's complaining. They're just, we can do it. We do it. And actually the fact that we've done missions has caused others to do missions way beyond the ones that I'm running. It's not just, even in my community, I understand there's a a group that just went, women from the community, a lot of my members, but a lot beyond just mothers who got on a plane this past week and went and they fashioned their own program that was geared to women. So it's stimulating other groups to go as well, and other schools to go, so it's been very, very positive
0: given the the climate today on American campuses, universities and colleges, and of course we saw um, what happened on, on what is happening in some of the more elite uh college campuses uh, What advice do you currently provide to? college-bound students who are part of your community?
1: It's a fantastic question. Personally, I would like to see all of our kids go to Yeshiva University and Stern College. That's my humble opinion. I think that that way, number one, they continue learning Torah, which to me is paramount. When you finish high school, you're not finished with your learning of Torah. It should be just beginning. So I'd love to see, but not every kid I understand feels that Yeshiva University or Stern College is appropriate for them. I get it. Or they have they they have a major that they don't feel that Yeshiva is very good at teaching them. I get that also. But if they're going to go on the campus, they can't stay quiet when they encounter and confront anti-Semitism. They have to speak up. They have to complain when they encounter it. And they have to be courageous to do that. Now, that's not easy. I will tell you, I, this past Shabbos, at my Shabbos table, I heard a story of a young lady that grew up, that has that grown up in my community, who's on the UFP campus, University of Pennsylvania. And she has responded. They She saw the flag, I believe it was at the Hillel um, on campus, the Israeli flag was ripped down and torn. And she didn't remain quiet. And she complained to the police. And they finally were able to identify via cameras, who the perpetrator was, and she didn't remain quiet. To, to her credit, I her mother was more concerned than she was, maybe you should remain quiet, but she didn't. And I think she is the example that the students have to follow. You can't remain quiet when you confront anti-Semitism. It's the moment we remained quiet, they won and we lost. And remember, anti-Semitism in this country is not being fed by the government. This is not Nazi Germany. This is grassroots, disgusting anti-Semitism. And it has to be, and the government will defend us. And they do. The problem on the campuses of the elite campuses, as you call them. The problem is many of the administrations on those elite campuses are not willing to confront anti-Semitism the way they should. That's the problem. It's not the government of the United States. The police and the government of the United States back us and support us and will fight it and will prosecute, but we have to be willing to, to fight the battle as well. And that's what I tell kids.
0: Are, are, are those high school students, and even those that come from yeshiva background, are, are they being prepared to face that? Are, are, are they, do, yes. is there more need to be done to prepare them?
1: Always, there's more that has to be done. I believe our high schools across this country are talking about this now more than ever. than yes, I would. Just, I, I'm not an educator, but you can. You know, I'm not an official educator. I'm not an administrator of a high school, but it's easy enough to find out. And I know that the high schools in our community, the two high schools, EULA and Shalhevet, are doing a fine job with talking to their students and preparing them for the experience on college campus as much as possible. They're not ignoring it. Not at all.
0: Gary yeah, Muskin, what were the events of October 7th? and the Gaza, current Gaza war. Is is this a turning point, in your opinion, um, in American Jewry-Israel relations? And as one who has written on Jewish history, where do the current events fit into the patterns of Jewish history?
1: This is not the first time that we've experienced this kind of thing. I was a student in Karen Karambiavna, in 1973 it was my second year i lived through the yom kippur war i remember the yom kippur war vividly it was a transformative moment in my life i was a high school kid you know i just finished high school i was a teenager at the end of my teenage years i was 19 18 19 years old when you know the yom kippur war occurred it's uh this is the Yom Kippur War all over again in many ways. You know, history is cyclical. We just keep on repeating (laughs) different versions of the same theme over and over again. Uh, Israel made mistakes in the Yom Kippur War, and it seems that they didn't learn well. And 50 years later, they're confronted with with the ugliness that they should have learned back 50 years ago. They didn't learn it after the Six-Day War. They didn't learn it after the 73 War. And here we again, we're having to be reminded once again. I mean, I'm being very simplistic. Uh, Clearly, there are many reasons that, and uh, listen, the investigation has to be made to figure out where all the failures happened on the Israeli end. But the anti-Semitism is nothing new. And... I think it's important, very important that American jury understands this is not Nazi Germany. This is not government endorsed anti-Semitism. It's not tolerated by the government. We're protected by the government of the United States. They're supporting us. And we should know that. And we should use it to the best ability that we have. That's. Number one. Number two, the lessons of October 7th are numerous. We have to be a united people. We've all said it. You're, you know, the logo of the country is united will be victorious, correct? You say that all over in in Israel. In Hebrew, there are signs all over the place. I think that Israelis are tending to forget that now that we're four or five months post- you know the start of this terrible experience but they can't forget it they have to stay united they really do for the goal has to be achieved when we have the same goal we'll achieve it i think that that's crucial and i think is american jury is looking to israeli society and saying hey guys why is the un- unity starting to fray you know politicians are at fault to a great degree no question about it but the israelis have to keep strong and they have to remain united and if they allow the unity to fray we're going to pay for it all over again so i think that that's a lesson from the from the october 7th massacre that we got to keep on if you know in the forefront all the time unity will serve us and we will win the moment we dis, dis- you know allow unity to fail the opposition will win no question about it but the, well, i think what that
0: what, what is the spiritual power what's the deeper spiritual power of unity like what Achtut. we talk about Achtut. what, what what's behind it you know just, everyone understands that you know together you're stronger than when you're separate but as a as a rabbi what's the spiritual implications of of unity why is it so important
1: look we're about ready to celebrate purim right um esther understood that esther understood very well that was her command in the fourth parak of Megillat Esther, she says, hey, I'm going in. I'm going to confront Achashverosh. I have not been summoned. I'm going to put my life online, but everybody has to fast with me. We have to be one family. We have to be one community. When we're one family and one community, Hashem listens. We know that. It's when Mordechai calls out, Rav Soloveitchik notes this about Mordechai calls out with a tremendous pain It's a loud voice, Gadol. And Rav Salavich says, what are we talking about, a decibel level? He screamed out, he cried out. No, he wasn't crying for himself. He represented all of the Jewish people. That's what Gadol means there. When we're united, HaKadosh Baruch Hu listens as well. That's the spiritual element that has to constantly be taught to everybody. When we're united, Hashem listens. Hashem is listening carefully. And we have a power of the unity of the Jewish people is is just a power that we've seen throughout history. We know that. It's, it's the most important lesson spiritually that we have to keep on reiterating. And it can't be said enough. Uh,
0: again, this has been... Uh... Inspiring and um, I'm asking you should continue to go from file to file from strength to strength and uh, keep visiting here in Israel. And uh, we, we 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 love the you hugs.
1: inspire us. <laughs> what are you talking about? You inspire us. We love the hugs and, and, I'll tell and, uh, you, I'll yes. tell you one story, please. Um, on the mission, we always go to Tel HaShomer to visit the file <laughs> that have been wounded, right. Uh, 300 khayalin that have been wounded it, it, it's massive it's overwhelming every room that we went to i don't care if the khayal was missing a limb you would ask the khayal tell me what are what are your plans for the future and each one said to go back and fight to continue fighting that's the unity that will win this war when we realize it is an existential threat. It's that's what's gonna win the war. That that's inspiring. It's unbelievable. I went into one room in Tel aviv and I see the young man wearing tzitzit. And I asked him, Tell me which yeshiva did you go to? And he said, I didn't go to a Yeshiva. I said, Oh, I'm sorry. He says, No, no, no. I was a I was non observant. But I got wounded in this battle. And I thought it was a message from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, telling me maybe I should change my life. It, it's unbelievable. You go room to room hearing these kinds of stories. It, it's an experience you don't forget. So the thank you is not to us. We're doing what we have to do. And small, we're just saying, let the Israelis know that they're not alone and that they have a united people behind them. That's what we're doing. What you're doing is the real, the real heroism, and we thank you.
0: Again, thank you so much uh, for today's talk. We appreciate it very much. Thank you again. My
1: pleasure. My honor. Okay, Kultu.